Welcome to the LifeLinks Leadership Podcast, insight and training from leaders around our network. Here's your host, Ian Bird. Thanks, everyone, for joining us again on the LifeLinks Leadership Podcast. We so appreciate the feedback we're getting so far. People are enjoying the topics, and we appreciate those that are letting others know on Facebook or uh, just email even. Just please pass the word along because we want people to be able to get this content. You can also subscribe on iTunes and Podbean, and then you'll know exactly when the latest edition comes out. So as per all our previous podcasts, our goal is to uh, help to uncover the hidden treasure of leadership acumen within the LifeLinks network and give you tools and resources that are going to help you grow. And so today we're really privileged to have with us on the podcast Steve Chupp. Uh, Steve served as lead pastor of Harvest Community Church in Goshen, Indiana. That's a LifeLinks church for 36 years. And then in 2015, he turned it over to his successor. And since then, he's continued to serve as a member of the LifeLinks Apostolic Council. And he's also been a church consultant and conference speaker. Now, his new venture is he's taking the kingdom of God to the marketplace as a resilience trainer and public speaker. And what, what that means is he specializes in equipping business professionals to turn stress into opportunities for growth and development. And you can find out more on his website, which is www.stevechuck.com. Uh, he and his wife, Rhonda, live in Goshen. They enjoy the outdoors, biking, travel, gone to more than 20 countries. And they also, um, Rhonda works as an accountant and, uh, for a CPA firm. And they have three married daughters and seven really fun grandchildren. So you're going to enjoy today as we have this discussion with Steve Chop. Steve, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you, Ian. It's a real privilege to be able to talk to you and the leaders. Oh, that's great. I, I'm just lo- so looking forward to the content and, and the acumen you have. So let's just jump right in here today. And um, I want to just ask you the first question is, what, what's the backstory, Steve? How did you get interested in this particular topic of emotional health and, and even the work now you're doing with resilience? Well, that's a really good question, Ian, and it wasn't because I read a book or I thought, wow, this could make a nice sermon topic, but actually, it comes out of some really hard personal experience. I had a difficult home life. Uh, My mom and dad uh, were believers, but they came from troubled backgrounds, and when they came together, that created some trouble. So there was some conflict, some anger. As a child, there were some things that that I really suffered with and struggled with. In fact, my brothers told me later in life that uh, about some incidents that happened to me, and I still do not remember them, but they must have been, and I know they were, very traumatic. Wow. So that was uh, part of it, just very much personal experience saying, okay, how can I get healthy myself? Mm. And then later on, actually about six years ago, I went through a, a very serious emotional crisis. In a way, it caught me off guard because I didn't realize how much uh, the uh, – situation that I was in was really affecting me. We had a perfect storm. I had a perfect storm in my life and had to do with the death of my father. Uh, then there was a church conflict that led to 35 families leaving our wow, church. That was really tough. And I was really, I was really criticized during that time. My motives were questioned and I couldn't quite grasp it. I thought, okay, how did I go these, you know, maybe 30 some years and everything being good and then wham, you know, being hit so hard. And it revealed the level of brokenness. Uh, I went through panic attacks. I'd never had panic attacks before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had high blood pressure and really struggled with a number of symptoms and uh, went through a really du- 
deep and difficult time. I was so glad, however, that I didn't quit. Got some good support. Dave Wells helped me a lot among other people uh, in yes. my life. Yeah. And the thing that I want to say is after all the things that I went through as a kid and also the things that I went through later, I'm amazed at how well I'm doing today. Well, that's good to hear. And so I began to see, okay, look, there's something that God's done in my life. There are some things that I've learned that are transferable. And as I began to help other people, uh, even before this crisis in our church and my personal crisis uh, six years ago, I began to see some real fruit. And I thought, wow, this stuff really works. There are biblical concepts and things that we can learn that can really help us to get healthy. And then, Ian, along the way, I saw something else. I saw that in our church there were unhealthy people, spiritually people that wanted to go on with God, but they were struggling emotionally. And it was holding them back spiritually, and it was holding them back in their mission and what God had called them to do. And I thought, you know what? These are gifted, wonderful people. And if we can get them healthy, they're going to have a great impact on the kingdom of God. Mm. Yep. And so I read this book by Pete Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And his his big premise in that book is this. It's impossible to be spiritually healthy while remaining emotionally unhealthy. Wow, what a statement. And uh, it's a powerful statement. And it's really true. And Pete went through it himself. He was so spirit, emotionally unhealthy and spiritually unhealthy, even as a pastor, that his wife quit going to his church. <laughs> now I didn't that, have that. Yeah. Thankfully, Ron kept going to my church. <laughs> you know, good to hear. Yeah, and Val's going to mine. Yeah. So we're, we're not too bad. It's a powerful book, and I'd really recommend it. But it kind of helped put some uh, teeth to, and maybe some gave me some concepts that I could help people with. That book did. But it really, along the way, we just found a lot of ways that we could help people become emotionally healthy and get untracked so that they could get going spiritually, uh, get unstuck, and move ahead. Wow. We saw some great results. And not only in my life, then in the life of people in our church. It's amazing how, kind of like Second Corinthians 1, right? <clears throat> our own background, our own pain, our own woundedness becomes, when God comforts us, becomes a launching point to help others. And that's amazing. Yeah. We comfort others through that. And that's what, obviously, you're doing, you're doing now. So let me ask you this yeah, question. Exactly. Why should church leaders be so concerned then about their emotional health? What are the, I mean, we, I think we understand they should, but what are the reasons behind that? Well, I think church leaders need to, especially, i got a couple of reasons for it. One of them is leadership is stressful. Leadership is very, there's pressure, there's demands, and church leadership is especially stressful. Ministry is. We're working with volunteers. In contrast to business where you hire people and you can let them go, uh, and there's a financial incentive. We're working with volunteers. We're working in the kingdom of God. We want to please God. We want to really lead our people well. And so there are lots and lots of pressure. And there's a lot of ownership by people in the church. And unfortunately, lots of times we have the pastor for lunch on Sunday morning or Sunday noon. Yeah. And so we kind of get <laughs> a lot of criticism. So that's kind of the backdrop that we have a lot of that stress. But then Christian leaders, church leaders often hold some beliefs that actually undermine their emotional health, and I held these beliefs. For example, we think, okay, God will never give us more than we can handle. Well, actually, that's not in the Bible, and Paul said in 2 Corinthians that he actually experienced more than he could handle. It was above what he could handle, but God gave him that so that he would trust in God, and there's two ways that that actually impacts us. One of them is 
we think we should be able to handle everything, so we just take it on. And the second part of it is we can't, and then we feel really guilty. God will never give me more than I can handle, so why am I not able to handle this? There must be something wrong with me, or I must not be called, or I must not be capable. So it's really kind of a double whammy that we experience with that belief. And then the second one is this, that goes along with that. Well, God's grace is sufficient for us. And so because I'm struggling with this, God's just going to give me the grace, and I'll just keep plowing through and we don't take care of ourselves spiritually and emotionally. We don't take a break. So I remember for me, Ian, it was very clear that I kept thinking, okay, God's grace is there. When I'd go through a hard time, I'd just reach back for some of God's grace, and it was there, and I'd move on. I'd reach back. For, and then one day I reached back, and it wasn't there. Nothing there. And I thought, did God fail me, or what wow. happened? Oh, well, my it wasn't that I, God had failed me. I had reached the end of my resources, my personal resources, and I had not been recharging myself in God and in other ways to mm. be able to have that. It's kind of like one guy explained it this way. We take a hit, we get back up. We take a hit, we get back up. And then one day we can't get back up anymore, and we can't figure out why. Mm-hmm. So leaders can kind of have, Christian leaders, church leaders can have this impression that, I, God will never give us more than I can handle. I should be able to take this. God's grace will be there. I just keep plowing ahead. But we got to take better care of ourselves. Yeah, and good. sometimes we take better care of our people than we do ourselves. Makes sense. Yeah. Wow. That's that's powerful. I think all of us can relate to some measure. I know I can. As you're talking about that, I think, yeah, I I believe those things before. And um, that is dangerous. I can see that. So in light of that, what advice would you give to leaders if we if we kind of acknowledge yes that is the potential for us and we can see tendencies where we've done that? Um, what do we do? Well, I really think we first of all just need to pay attention to our emotional health. We need to kind of check on ourselves, maybe check in with other people. How am I really doing emotionally? Am I experiencing maybe some uh, long-term kinds of stress responses? Maybe I'm getting irritable. Maybe I'm just getting tired all the time. Maybe I don't feel like doing it anymore. I'm just Mm -hmm. done with it. And God really cares about our emotional health, and he wants us to pay attention to it, too. And it always strikes me as I read through the the Bible, and especially about Elijah. Elijah was one of these guys that just seemed to hit a wall. And you see there, because of 1 Kings, how he just, goes and goes, finally he hits a wall, goes out into the desert, sits under a broom tree, and actually wants to die. Like, yes. not just give up on <laughs> prophetic ministry, but God, I'm done. Take me home. Bad and moment. so you actually, actually almost wonder if he was suicidal, but I don't know about that. But God comes alongside, doesn't rebuke him, doesn't say, okay, get back to work, Elijah, but actually gives him some rest, gives him some food, gives him some encouragement, Later gives him help, gives him Elisha as a helper. And so God just takes some time with this guy and builds some restoration into him. And it always strikes me that God really cares about how we're doing. He doesn't just care about the work. He cares about the worker. And so we should, too. My daughter's a nurse, and she says, Dad, it's amazing when people, especially in the United States, go to the doctor, they have to be proactive about their own health care. They can't just go in, not ask any questions, and not do any research. And we need to be proactive about our emotional health, too. We need to say, okay, what's going on here? How am I doing? Am I listening to the people around me who think I ought to take a break or do things differently? And we don't want to wait to hit the wall. 
before we do something. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that I've heard, I'm hearing it from you, and I've also heard it, you probably have from Dave Wells, our network leader, who shared before about uh, kind of a breakdown he had at one point uh, emotionally and physically. And, uh, and what I've heard common is you don't see it coming. It just kind of mm-hmm. suddenly happens. The warning signs were there, but you weren't paying attention. That's what Dave would say. I'm hearing that from you. And so this is this is good advice. So let me just ask you this question then, Steve. What uh, we, we we want to heed the warning signs. We want to make sure we're emotionally healthy. But what really is emotional health? I mean, how do we how do we define that? Well, that's a great question because we sometimes look at ourselves and say, well, something's not working, but what is it to be healthy and what's that really look like? So I look at it in two or three ways. The first one is emotional health is having the ability to handle a wide range of emotions. It's not that we don't have negative emotions, but that we can handle them. For example, anger, depression, joy, sadness, grief. We're going to lose people. We're going to face losses in our ministries as well. And so can we handle those in a healthy way? So it's really the ability not to ignore them or not have them, but can we, can we handle them? Can we bear up under them? It doesn't mean that they don't affect us, but that we're successfully managing those emotions. And then the second part of that is the ability to express those emotions appropriately. Mm-hmm. And if I find myself reacting, maybe, you know, outbursts of either anger or, or inappropriate expressions, I think, okay, what's going on underneath the surface here? I'm not expressing this well. And we don't want to get stuck. We want to, don't want to get stuck emotionally and then find ourselves reacting poorly. Uh, David in the Psalms was fantastic mm. at expressing a wide range of emotions. In fact, Absolutely. as I work with people on emotional health, I said, you know what? No matter what you experience, you can find it in the Psalms. <laughs> and David <laughs> expressed it. He didn't hide it. He expressed it to God. God wasn't surprised. God knew he was having those feelings and thoughts. And uh, Irenaeus, one of the early church fathers, said, the glory of God is man fully alive. And that means that we can feel things, we can express things, we can handle those emotions. It always strikes me how that, um, you know, we're created in the image of God. And when Jesus was here on earth, in Matthew 26, 38, it says, Jesus told his disciples as he was facing the cross, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. I mean, Jesus, the Son of God, was really going through a very difficult time. Would you use emotionally healthy? Obviously. Was he affected by this? Yes. Really stressed, under pressure, great drops of blood, but he expressed it. And then his biggest mission in life, the cross, he was able to accomplish it because he was able to handle the emotion that came with that. Wow. So just one other thing that I would say about emotional health. Emotional health is when we experience a lot of inner peace, maybe even in the midst of difficulties, but even more importantly, we know how to get our peace back when we lose it. When something comes up and it's like, oh, man, you know, I'm not experiencing the peace of God right now, not experiencing an inner sense of well-being, can I get that back? And... um that's emotional health. When we can learn, we're healthy when we can learn to get that back, and uh, the people around us are aware of that too. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, I guess you're right. I, I really appreciate what you're saying. It's not having the emotions themselves. We're going to have emotions. How do we steward mm-hmm. them? 
and how do we get kind of back to that that middle ground of peace, that place of of, of being solid? You know, just one thought regarding what you said about David. Um, just Sunday I shared from Psalm 142, and David talks there about being in a cave. He's running from Saul, and it's interesting every time or frequently how he kind of purges himself of the negative emotion in his psalms, doesn't he? He purges himself, he, he expresses his despair, and he's very real. He's not hiding it. But then once he does that, it's interesting how he plugs into God again. And all of a sudden, you know, I have no refuge, I have no one. And then right away, you are my refuge. It's almost like what you're saying. He suddenly comes to peace as he expresses his emotion to God, and then suddenly is able to receive that transfusion of peace back. And, and all of a sudden, it's like, no, no, right. no, wait a minute. You know, and that's kind of what you're, what you're talking about. So I, I really appreciate yeah. that. Um, one last yeah, exactly. question. Let me just give you, let me give you one other example of this, though, that would be really, I think, vivid. It, it, it's vivid. I read one time the average two-year-old is emotionally healthy. They <laughs> express their emotions, they say it, and then they just move right on. So, you know, they might have a bit of an eruption and cry, and then you say, oh, here's a sucker. Oh, okay, or here's a toy. But <laughs> that's in a, a picture of it. the average two-year-old is emotionally healthy. Because they're able to express their emotion, get it out, deal with it, and move on. Wow. Yeah, that's a good Don't picture. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Better than repressing, we need to figure out how to release it properly, and then yeah, yeah. that's good. Well, let me ask you one last question. I think we're nearing the end of this. We're going to do two parts on this podcast, but nearing the end of this first one. But before we finish this one, I want to just conclude by saying how can – we become healthier emotionally, just even off the hop without looking further. What are some basic things we can do to increase our emotional health even right now? Well, I look at one significant area is what I call lifestyle emotional health. How do we build a healthy emotional lifestyle? And I think that includes just looking at the God-given resources that he's given us and are we really availing ourselves of them? We hear it a lot, but things like sleep. You know, are we getting a good night's sleep? The average American is sleep-deprived. They don't sleep well, and they don't sleep long enough. But, you know, getting seven, eight hours of sleep per night regularly, being able to sleep well, being able to get yourself ready to sleep so that you're peaceful when you go to sleep, uh, eating habits. Um, there are things that if just eating healthy helps us with our emotional health. And we may not think about that so much. But here's another great big one that's really helped me a lot over the years. I went to the emergency room one time because my heart was acting up because I was under so much stress. And I found out my problem with my heart was benign, but I wasn't getting enough exercise. Mm. And I was having these irregular heartbeats because of it. I was getting too much stress, maybe too much caffeine. So exercise. A half-hour brisk walk five times a week is fantastic for your, as a stress reliever. Helps your emotional health immensely. It doesn't only get the adrenaline worked out. It stimulates other kind of chemicals in your body that actually can make you happier. Yes. And then another great one uh, area is family and friends, your social network. Do you have people around you who like you? Somebody defined joy as being around people who like us. Sometimes we think, I want to be around people I like. How about I being around like people who like you? Yeah, I like yeah, that. Hang out with people who appreciate you, who enjoy you. It creates joy, stimulates your emotional health. And then other things that Rondo used to would talk to me one time when we were you know, raising kids, doing a serious job of pastoring the church, raising kids, trying to be a good dad. And she says, you're not much fun anymore. We need to do more fun things. 
So I just started building into my daily routine, weekly routine, fun things, whether it's fun things with the kids, doing a hobby for some people, for some guys it's going out and killing something and hunting <laughs> or whatever it might be. <laughs> Do you have fun? Do you do good. just for fun? Laugh. Very good, Steve. Yeah. Uh, another one is gratitude. You know, I've done some research because of my training in business, and gratitude actually changes the wiring in your brain and makes you happier. And there's wow. scientific evidence that if we will give thanks to especially God, but if we're just grateful three times a day, express gratitude three times a day, it makes a huge difference in our well-being and rewires our brain for emotional health. It's crazy. Well, what, what a good course, reminder. Worship, yeah, worship is a great way to express gratitude. We have some built-in things that we have as Christians, like worship and giving thanks that uh, make a big difference. You know, an, another one for me is, is uh, spending time with God in the Word, or what we call devotions, but not the sermon prep kind and not the legalistic, parasaic kind, but am I feeding myself? That's good. Am I just sitting down before God and letting God's word and his spirit feed me? And then maybe a last one here on this list would be taking a break weekly, being able to turn it off, turn off mm. the phone, get away. Uh, for Rhonda and me for years, it was Monday morning. She had a job that she could take off Mondays. I took off Mondays. We went for a walk, we went for an outing, we played games, whatever we wanted to do. It was like, okay, let's let's take a break and get mm. our minds on something else, have some fun, yes. uh, disengage. And I think a Sabbath, by the way, is not, you know, holding up in a prayer closet for a day, but doing something different, going yes. to the beach, going Good. snowboarding or doing something that can give us a break from what we're doing. So, you know, if we take these, this list and actually schedule it, make an appointment with ourselves to do some of these things, we're going to find ourselves a lot more emotionally healthy. Yeah, no, it's so good, Steve. I know just with some of the points you made, one thing that helps me and then I have to remind myself, it's kind of what you said about the feeding devotions, not the sermon prep. You know, we, we often in the ministry, we, come to God and we our church and we bring our leaders and we bring everything all the time and we don't come as a son or daughter. And I I feel like God comes to me often. He says, Ian, I want you you're you're a son first. You're not that mm-hmm. leader. You're a son. And I want you to present yourself that way. You know, this isn't a business. This isn't you trying to do this and we're having a business meeting. You're a son first. Just present yourself and, and be a child. Be be my son. And I, I, I know that's helped me personally, and I have to remind myself all the time. But the points you've made are fantastic, Steve, and I think all of us could could certainly grow in this by just listening to what you've just shared. It's fantastic. I'm wondering if with this part one now, if what we could do is just close it off with you praying for us just at this, this first part regarding just kind of that we would understand the need for this and maybe begin to even assess and understand changes we need to make. Would you pray for us regarding that? Sure. I'd be happy to. God, you're our father. You're emotionally healthy, God. We thank (laughs) you for that. Yes. And you made us that way, but uh, we got broken along the way, perhaps. There are things that happened in our lives that broke us emotionally. And we come to you, God, to say we pray that you'll help us, each one as leaders, to be willing to... Recognize where we're broken, allow you to heal us, take the steps necessary to get healthy, to stay healthy. God, we thank you that you care about us like you did Elijah, that you gave him rest and food and help with Elisha and friends and 
encouragement along the way, and that's what you're there for us as well, that you want us to be capable and faithful to the ministry you've called us to, but you also want us to be emotionally healthy that we can enjoy you and complete the work that you've given us to do. And so, God, just give each one of us the grace and wisdom we need to know how to tend to our emotional health, to take care of ourselves because we're worth it to you, to ourselves, to our families, and that, God, we'd honor you in the way we live our lives. Thank you for the resources you give us. Help us to identify those that we need to work on first and to give ourselves to them. And thank you for the fruit that you're going to bring out of our lives because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve, for this. And uh, for everyone listening to the podcast, uh, stay tuned for part two next month. We're going to continue with Steve and look at some some other points that will help us as far as uh, some other issues that might affect our emotional health and things that we can do to become even healthier. So stay tuned, part two, but thanks again, Steve, for part one, and God bless you all. Thank you for joining us for the LifeLinks Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at lifelinks.org.